Easter message really is a very simple message. But as I just said, it is not the easiest message in the world to believe. The message is simple, but not easy to believe. The message of Easter is this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Simple message. Hard to believe. Why? Why is it so hard to believe that Jesus is alive? It's hard for me and you. It's hard for people in our culture, in our day and age to believe in the risen Christ. Because, unless you're a very rare exception, none of us have ever seen the dead come to life. You've never been at a funeral where they lowered the casket into the grave, they put the dirt in, and then all of a sudden the dirt exploded and the person jumped out and was like, psych! Never happened, right? Hadn't happened to me. And most of us have a hard time believing what we can't see, what we have not ever experienced ourselves. The simple message, Jesus is alive. It's a hard one to wrap your mind around. It's hard for the disciples of Jesus to wrap their mind around too. Put yourself in their place 2,000, 14 years ago. Good Friday wasn't so good for them. Wasn't the greatest day in their life. They were there when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. From there, they watched him die. They were present in that sham, that mockery of a trial. They were there when they shouted, Crucify him. They were along the road. As Jesus carried the cross and they were sitting on top of that hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull, on top of the hill but at the bottom of the cross, watching their Lord, their leader, hanging there, suspended between heaven and earth, pierced through his hands and his feet, wearing a crown of thorns, stripped, mocked, made fun of bloodied, battered, and beaten. They were there when Jesus said, It is finished. They were there. They saw it with their own eyes. They heard it with their own ears. They knew it was finished and taken down with their own hands. And they came and prepared his lifeless body for burial. They wrapped it in strips of linen and different spices and things to prepare it for burial. And then with their own hands and their own feet, they carried him into the tomb and they laid his dead body in. And they were there when that giant heavy stone was rolled
still connect my Bible to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, if you have your Bible with you this morning, please go ahead and open it up. If you use an electronic Bible, a Bible app on your phone or your iPad or or one of those Android things that I don't know anything about because I'm an Apple guy, if you use those, please feel free to use those here at Elevation Church. I love it when you're doing that. Now, if I see both thumbs flying really fast, I'm pretty sure you're not looking at the scripture. You're texting during church, and I'm not ashamed to call you out about it. Test me in this, right? But if you have a Bible app, please use it. If you don't have your Bible, don't have a Bible app, we have side screens right over here. You can follow along right there, and I would welcome you to do that as well. Luke chapter 24. We're going to read like the first 12 verses here. Here we go. On the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. And he quotes Jesus here in verse 7. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day to be raised again. And then the ladies remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven, these are the remaining disciples, and to all of the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But in verse 11, we get an interesting insight. It says, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself, disbelief. They found the good news of Easter. Jesus is alive. Hard to believe. They did not believe the women, it says, because their words sounded like nonsense. Maybe some of you walked into Briar Hill Middle School this morning. Maybe some of you walked into the midst of us who are Elevation Church this morning, and you are like these 11 apostles and the others who were with them. These are the men and the women who had spent years with Jesus and they struggled to believe. Maybe you struggle to believe. Maybe it's hard for you to to wrap your mind around the fact that Jesus is alive. That he rose from the grave and that he is alive. You're just not sure. Maybe you're not sure that the Bible is reliable. Maybe you're not sure that the the disciples didn't steal his body. Maybe you're just not sure that science hasn't 
proven that this just can't happen. Maybe you're not sure for any number of reasons. You, you have some doubt. looking in my Bible here and I'm seeing Jesus is close at Calvary having doubts. Your doubts break you. Your doubts do not divide you from God. Your doubts don't keep him from loving you and they don't make the message of Easter void for you. They don't make it irrelevant that Jesus is alive just because you struggle with it. The message of Easter is still relevant and it's still relevant even for you. Maybe you want to believe. Maybe you've heard this message before and it sounds good. Maybe it even sounds too good to be true. Anybody ever been there? I I was kicking the tires on Christianity 25 years ago and it sounded too good to be true that Jesus would be alive, that he could live a sinless life, die a sacrificial death for me, and then rise from the grave again. It sounded too good to be true. And then I thought to myself, besides, how could anyone rise from the grave? How could anyone come back from death and into just happened to answer that question. And the funny thing is, he answered the question before anybody ever had any reason to ask it. He answered the question before he was arrested, crucified, dead, and buried, and resurrected. He answered the question. Check out John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. This is actually where we finished up our message last week. I told you we were coming back, and here we are. Jesus is speaking, and he says, The reason that my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority. If you have a paper Bible right now, grab one of those pens in the chairs next to you and underline that word authority. In fact, you might want to circle it. If you're like me, you might want to circle it three or four times so it's really bold. Be careful of that thin paper. Don't go through it. Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. From my Father. Jesus died and rose again because Jesus has authority over life and death. Jesus is God. He's the author of life and death. He has authority over life and death. The reason we've never seen this before is because we don't have that authority. We don't have authority over life and death, and I'm kind of glad for it. I wouldn't want that responsibility. But Jesus has authority over life and death. He has authority that we don't have and that we can't understand. He has 
that you don't have, that I don't have, and that you and I cannot understand. Power over life and death, authority to lay his life down, and authority to take it back up again. something that happened to Jesus? That big wooden stake with all that happened on it? All that happened to him? It didn't really happen to him. It wasn't somebody else's decision. It was his. It wasn't what happened to him. It was what he did, and he did it because it's part of his purpose. But his purpose was not complete on Good Friday, like Kenny said just a few moments ago. His purpose wasn't complete at the end of the week, at the crucifixion, at the burial. His purpose was not complete until on the third day he came out of that tomb with power over life and death, with power over sin, real power, power to live in a way that people had never been able to live, never understood how to live before. He had to die on the cross to pay our sin, pay the price for our sins, yours and mine. He had to do that, but that wasn't the end of the chapter. That wasn't the end. It was just the springboard to the beginning of real life. Real life in Christ. Resurrected life in Jesus. He died as the ultimate sacrifice but he rose as the only Savior. That power that Jesus possesses to lay down his life just like that. That power to really live, to live life in a new way, to live life with fullness and richness and deep blessing and full purpose, that power is available to everybody here, to every person who has ever lived. It is available to you right now, right here, today. So maybe, again, you walked in here today not feeling like your life had any power. Maybe you walked in here today feeling like life was just happening to you. Jesus didn't live and die and live again for you to live that kind of life. He never lived and died and rose again so that you could be like a, like a tree in the wintertime. You know how a tree in the wintertime, you walk up to it, and it was a green tree last year, but then winter came and it dropped all of its leaves and it's cold and it's dry and it's brittle. You can walk up and break its branches easily. They're not green, they're not pliable. not the life that God intends for you. If you walked in here this morning living that kind of a life, feeling like, like 
life is just happening to you. Like there's no richness, no depth, no, no vibrance, nothing green, nothing bright. If you're like that tree in winter, cold, dry, and dead, if life isn't what you expected it to be, not what you wanted it to be, maybe you're living life in the empty promises of this world. Our world is full of empty promises. Do this. Try that. Be this way. Dress like that. Date her. Drive this. Earn this much. Live here. And that will be your fulfillment. That will bring vibrancy to your life. That will bring meaning and purpose and power to your life. And in fact, you've tried it. And what happened? The same thing that happened in my life for the first 21 years. It didn't work. It didn't work. Name it. I tried it. Tell me your problem. Tell me your sin. Been there, done that. Didn't work. And you know it doesn't work because you've tried one thing after another after another, right? You've tried it all. And you think that if you stop the thing that you're in now, if you'll get out of that empty promise, the next promise is not empty. The next one will be the fulfilling promise. It's another empty promise. The power for living is not found in the empty promises of this world. It is found in the good news of Jesus and in the empty tomb that he left when he rose to live again and to give you life, real life, life with power, life with authority, life with purpose and with meaning. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest. Amen. To the fullest. Are you living life to the fullest? Or are you living life in a bunch of empty promises? If you're living that empty life, you're cold, Good news. You can do something about the cold, dry, dead life. You know what you can do? You can believe. You can believe. And you might notice today, I'm not making a bunch of academic arguments. I'm not going to try to scientifically prove the resurrection. I'm just going to proclaim the good news of Jesus over and over again to you that Jesus is alive. I can't convince your mind, but he can communicate with your heart. And if you will listen to what Jesus is saying on Resurrection Sunday, you will hear him say, I'm alive and you can be alive in me and I can live in you. I can live out Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is the big secret, right? People talk about believe all the time and believe and believe and it's hard to believe and believe this and believe that. You know what? Here's what I'm talking about when I say the thing that you can do about it is you can believe, you can have faith. Faith is what I mean when I say believe. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. 
and assurance about what we do not see. That's why I'm not making academic arguments or trying to scientifically prove something to you. Because faith is where it's taught. If I could prove it scientifically, it would be hollow and empty and meaningless. You know how many things have been proven scientifically over the years, only to be scientifically disproven a generation or two later? Seriously? It takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in a resurrected Jesus who has power over life and over death, power to lay his life down for you and to take it back up again for you. Faith. What am I talking about today? What kind of faith do I have to have, Pastor Scott? What kind of faith do I need to live this full life that Jesus came for me to live in? Simple. Faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Who does he say he is? God. Test drive. That's why they crucified him. Because he said he was God. The priests couldn't handle it. They said, are you the son of God? He said, I am. Crucify him. He says he's God. tells me over and over and over again that when I place my faith in him, he shows up. He shows up in ways I couldn't imagine. He does things I never could have done on my own. Faith. This faith is that little mustard seed, tiny little mustard seed, but all it really takes is faith enough to believe that he is who he says he is and that he does what he says he will do. What did he say he would do? Well, he told his disciples that he was the good shepherd, and he said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He did that. There's no arguing that. You can biblically, extra biblically, get outside of the Bible, look at the historical record other than the Bible. There's no denying that Jesus lived and that he died on the cross, that he laid down his life for the sheep. So it's believing that he is who he says he is, that he does what he says he will do. He said he would lay down his life, and he did. And he said that he would take it up again. And there's the rub for some of you. You have a hard time, like the disciples had a hard time, believing in the resurrection of Jesus, believing that the dead can come back to life, believing that his promises are real. You have a hard time believing that because you found how empty the promises of the world are. And you're afraid that Jesus' promise is just as empty as the promise of, of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Just as empty as the promise of money and wealth and houses and cars. Just as empty as the promise of, if I get married, I'll be happy. Or if I get divorced, I'll be happy. If I marry her or him, I'll be happy. If I do this or that, then I'll find real life. You're afraid that Jesus' promises are as empty as the promises of the world. His promises are true. I testify to that before you today. And there are a lot of people sitting in this room who will join me 
in that testimony. And there's a lot of people sitting in churches around the world this morning celebrating the resurrected Jesus who joined in that testimony. Will you believe? Do you have faith enough to take the tiny little step forward and say, maybe, possibly, these promises, these claims of Jesus can be true? Is it possible that this man 2,000 years ago lived a sinless life? Is it possible that he was sent by God, that he was, in fact, God incarnate, God with us? Is it possible that he laid down his life as a sacrifice for me and he claimed the only way he would ever live it? Is it possible that he took the life that you and my family took, that he rose from the grave? And by the way, if you get into the book of Acts, you'll find that thousands of people witnessed the resurrected Christ over a 40-day period. He didn't just pop out of the grave, ghost around here and there, and disappear again. He didn't just appear to his disciples. Thousands of people on numerous occasions over a long period of time. Check it out. Read the book of Acts. Think about it for yourself. just that it's possible, no matter how remote you think the possibility is, then I want to circle you back to Luke 24. And I want to remind you how that verse that we read earlier, that passage that we read earlier, ended in, I believe it was verse 12. Simon Peter, remember, the ladies came back and reported all that they had seen. Angels, empty tombs, stone rolled away. Jesus is alive. They didn't believe. It sounded like nonsense. But one of that group, one man, Peter, what did Peter do? Peter jumped up. I guess he strapped on his Nikes or something. And he ran to the tomb. Why did he run to the tomb? Because Jesus wanted to check out their claims. Jesus didn't say that. Peter wanted to check out their claims. Thank you. Some of y'all had that question mark hanging above your head. Did he just say what I thought he said? Yeah, I saw that. It got me back on track. Thank you for that. Peter wanted to check out the claims that Jesus is alive. And so he ran to the tomb. He ran. found there was evidence. He still wasn't fully convinced. He wondered what had happened, but he went to check the tomb. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're struggling this morning with unbelief, if you're struggling to wrap your mind around the good news of Jesus, the good news of Easter, that Jesus is alive, you're missing out on the real life that God has for you. If you're struggling with that, let me challenge you. Let me invite you. Let me ask you to do one simple thing. 
you to check out this thing that's in you. I want you to check out this real life, this full life that he came to give you. And I want you to do it by doing this thing. I want you to come back here for three seconds. I'm asking you for three hours over the course of three weeks. If you spend more time than that trying to find your car keys and your shoes, I'm not asking for a major investment from you. One hour a week for the next three weeks. I want you to come back here because we are going to invest our time together, our gatherings together in investigating the real life that Jesus came to give us. And in that investigation, I believe that you will be able to make an informed decision. You'll be able to make a decision where you're informed in your head with knowledge and information and also in your heart through the Holy Spirit working. Three hours over the next three weeks to find and to live real life. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Easter. We are grateful that Jesus lived. We are grateful that he died. But we are most grateful, eternally grateful, that he rose again with power, with victory for real life. Life on this earth and eternal life in heaven. (coughs) My Lord, this morning, if there are any here today, right now, who've heard this message, whose, whose unbelief was, was overcome. If there's anybody here this morning that by your Holy Spirit, God, you spoke to their heart and they had ears to hear and they're ready to already just make this commitment to believe, to have faith that Jesus is who he says he is and that he does what he says he would do, then Lord, I pray right now that you would give them strength, that you would give them uh, just boldness that while every head is bowed and every um, eye is closed, Lord, that that they would just raise their hand right now so that I could know and have a follow-up conversation with them. Anybody here this morning who's heard that good news that Jesus is alive and is ready to believe and to have life in him. The young lady on the back row who raised her hand, I'm so glad to see that. with you later. We'll follow up. I know who you are. I'm very excited for you. Is there anybody else this morning who's ready to believe that Jesus is alive and that he's alive and real and authentic in your life? Let's pray together. Father, as we continue to worship you this morning, I pray that we would just sing loudly, that we would sing boldly, that we would give ourselves over to you, that we would let you have your way in us because that's when we experience that real life, when we let you live through us. And as we continue to worship God, we're also going to worship not only in song, but we're going to worship with our finances. We're going to worship with the blessings, the tangible blessings that you have given us. Everything we have comes from you. You ask that we return a portion of it back to you 
that there may be food in your house, that your church may do its work, and that it may do the ministry that you've called it to do. And so this morning, I pray that we will give, that we will give as you lead, and that if anybody here this morning is visiting with us for the first time, that they would feel comfortable, God, just keeping their wallet in their purse or in their pocket. And for those of us that this is our church home, that we would just give to you as an act of worship this morning, a portion of what you have already given to us. You gave so much. You gave your son, Jesus. He gave his life. So when he rose again, he gave us life. So we pray this in his name and for his sake and in his power. Amen.